Hello and welcome. I'm Bonnie. And I'm Lily. And this is Little Home Organised, a podcast dedicated to helping you declutter, get organised and reclaim time for the things you love. It was coming out in physical ways, like when I would get the vacuum cleaner out and I would kind of find myself like slamming it into things. <laughs> the moment I recognized I had a problem was when a roommate's friend stayed over and had actually slept across my stuff. Hello and welcome. Today we'll be joined by Lee Shua and his wife, Beck Belovsky, to talk about living with a loved one who is invading your space. First things first, let's introduce our guests. So, Lee Shua is an artist, violinist, writer, and space invader in recovery. Lee co-authored the Buried in Treasures Workshop Facilitator's Guide with Dr. Randy Frost and published Rap for Reducing Clutter with Dr. Mary Ellen Copeland. His interests include walks in the woods, petting cats, exploring the world with his wife, Beck, and asking people to stop using the word hoarder. Becca Belofsky, co-founder of Mutual Support Counseling, LLC, is an international trainer, speaker, and relationship facilitator, committed to supporting the emotional development and social connectedness of people of all backgrounds, ages, and neurodiversities. Beck synthesizes her learning from Smith College, life, travel, and travel abroad, and her own mental health experiences to help people traverse the human condition. Welcome, Lee and Beck. Thank you. Thanks so much. It's great to connect the hemispheres with you. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Even though we're all going through this crazy time together, it's so nice to know that we can still actually join in such a way and um, have a great conversation. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's get into it. Now, Beck, when you first met Lee, did you know about Lee's accumulating? No. Um, what I was met with was that when I went to Lee's apartment for the first time, I just noticed that it was heavily decorated, shall we say. There were things everywhere, and there was something about it that appealed to um, something that felt like home inside of me, and I actually think that what I was observing was uh, chronic disorganization. I didn't know that there was a lot of keeping, but I knew that things weren't all in their homes. Things didn't have places to live specifically, so I saw... Mm -hmm. um, kind of things piled up and little pockets of clutter all around. And I grew up like that too. So I thought, oh, this is someone who gets me. You know, we get each other. I, I didn't realize where this journey would lead and what it all really meant. So when was it that you actually discovered how deep the problem went? About a year into our marriage when we decided to move out of that apartment and into our own uh our own apartment together, which was going to be a studio apartment. It's very small. We were coming from a place that we shared with roommates. And it was a very chaotic environment, and that was fine the way we were living at the time. But then when we went to move and I said to Lee, okay, what are you bringing with you? He said, oh, everything. It's all mine. It's all coming with me. What do you it's mean? It's all me, baby. <laughs> it's all me, baby. And I was like, but wait, a few other people live here with us and there are several rooms. No, it, it all was Lee's, I found out, or a lot of it was. And the interesting thing to me and really surprising thing was 
I thought he was going to leave some of it, and um, I, it was pretty shocking. It was shocking to find out that it wasn't like, yeah, we're going to have a tag sale, a garage sale, and let some things go, but it's all going to come. It was a, an absolute surprise, and I pushed a little, like, no, you can't, you can't be doing that. Oh, yeah, it's all coming. So <laughs> it, was, it was a surprise and a shock, and it was like the first red flag, as people might say that there was something deeper going on when there was, I was met with an unwillingness to even consider not taking everything. Yeah, I would say I definitely knew that I had an acquiring issue. Um, that was one of my main coping skills in terms of managing my own emotional states. If I was feeling really down, I'll go out and collect um, and sort of manifest the things I was looking for. I was really good at it. So I would just sort of project something out there into the universe and then I would go and find it really cheap. And so I was pretty much guaranteed, I feel bad, I go out, I score, I feel great. I go home, I feel bad, so I go back out. So it was this cycle, and I knew I had a, mm. a, a problem with collecting, um, but I didn't realize I had a problem with letting go until I tried. Um, so. That was really uh, not until we had moved out of that apartment and we're living together and, you know, I had to make some changes that I realized it was more than just about getting things. It was about letting them go too. So Lee, was this something that you had insight on at the time? Yeah, I, I definitely realized that I had a, a problem with acquiring that I was bringing too much in. Uh, originally, it was really, I think, appealing to other people to see the kinds of things I was acquiring. I was collecting everything under the surface, and I would end up um, either at an op shop or at a tag sale or just see something by the side of the road. I think the best example, and usually it wasn't anything specific that I was looking for, but at about three in the morning one night, I, I looked at a friend and I said, you know what? I want to find a, a sit-down style arcade cabinet. That's what I want to find. And the next day, I went out driving around in the afternoon, and there was a guy in his driveway with one, and it was the last thing he hadn't sold at his tag sale. I ended up buying it for $5. So mm. it was like I would want something and get it. But I think that in addition to going out and finding things, I was producing a lot of audio and video recordings and art and writing, and all of that was being saved too. And anything I saw in my environment that had some kind of symbolic meaning, that would also come home and stay. Because in a way, it was like this really cryptic three-dimensional journal that I was the only one that could read the entries. Mm, so there was a, a lot going on. That's a really interesting way to describe it as like a 3D journal. That's often what happens when you're uncovering the layers of the piles is it's like a timeline of life you yeah. can look back and you go oh this is the stuff from three years ago oh this is the stuff from five years ago that kind of thing so yeah it is like the 3d journal thing that's really interesting yeah um what was unusual to me about it is that when lee was doing artwork he wouldn't just keep the final drafts he would keep all the copies that led to it mm -hmm. and i would want to move the ones that didn't result in the final product but there was still an attachment to that and that but was always to the process of it yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. that's interesting. We're it gonna, is. We're going to have to unpack that more fully on another episode, I think, the oh. whole the creative process and not wanting to let go of things that contribute to that. I think that's a big thing for a lot of artists and a lot of creatives. So, Beck, 
you said you weren't really aware of this. You and Lee are married. So what kind of happened when you found out? Well, um, we got married and about a year into our being together, we were going to move into our own apartment. We had been sharing with roommates and friends. So it came to the point where we were going to move into a space that was much smaller. And I was super excited. And I was like, hey, what are you bringing? And the answer was, what am I bringing? I'm bringing everything you see. (laughs) (laughs) And so that was a huge surprise for me. And um, it was a real reckoning. But at the time, we were newlyweds. He said he's bringing everything. What could I do about it? So I just thought, all right, we'll see what's going to happen. I have no control over this process. We'll get there and then we'll figure it out. Wow. Okay. So, Lee, how are you going now? And do you ever fall off the wagon? Well, I think there was a time when if I had fallen off the wagon, I probably would have just landed on a backup wagon. Because <laughs> I would have had more than one just in case. <laughs> right? But... You know, it's, it's interesting because for me, some people do measure recovery as moving forward or falling off the wagon. And I see it more as a resilience process. And mm-hmm. if I fall off, just like running and hopping back on. And that really is about self-awareness and recognizing that I'm not on it, so to speak. Um, so it's really just recognizing whether or not what I'm doing is adding to the physical quarter. So a lot of this conversation, and I think a lot of conversation about hoarding disorder is about what's above the surface. Uh, mm. So, you know, you can fall off the wagon on the inside and not contribute to the clutter, but this all goes together. So, you know, in my own experience, falling off the wagon, it might look different than it feels. Uh, but when I do recognize that the things I'm doing, uh, if it is getting disorganized and that's a, an indicator to me. That's that's a, a warning sign that something inside isn't quite aligned. So sometimes I see myself on the outside before I recognize myself on the inside. It's all connected. So what is it that you did when you discovered that you had this collecting problem? What What is it that happened to make you change your behaviours? Well, firstly, what brought the awareness of it and then and then how did you change those mm. behaviors I think Becca brought the awareness I think I brought a little of the awareness <laughs> to the table yeah I knew I knew because I started getting uh I think the the moment that I recognized before we met the moment I recognized I had a problem was when um a roommate's friend stayed over and had actually slept across my stuff uh, he, he aimed two chairs full of things across from each other and laid across the top. And that's what he slept on that night. Wow. Um, and, and so that was incredibly embarrassing. That told me I have a problem. Every time family was coming to visit and I had to hide things, that told me I had a problem. Every time my bank account was empty, that told me I had a problem. Didn't want people to have a ride in the car. I had a problem. But it wasn't until Becca told me how it was impacting her life um, that I actually really took action. Even though I had tried before, it wasn't until it was really impacting somebody else that I made change. Someone that you cared deeply about. Totally. Yeah. And how did you bring this awareness back? Um, it started out, I'd say, kind of haphazardly, where, um, first of all, when we moved into this new apartment, it was obviously overfilled with stuff. 
there wasn't the ability for things to go into homes because stuff was absolutely everywhere. We didn't have a functional dining room or a living room or a bedroom. It was just a place where stuff was being kept. So um, I was trying to talk to Lee about what are we going to do? Like, you need help? You going to organize it? Can we get an organizer in? This isn't working. And I was really kind of being tender-footed about it a little bit in the beginning because we were kind of newly together. Mm-hmm. And I had a vision that, of course, this is magically going to pull together. Like, a genie's going to appear and go, zoom! And then all the things are going to get sorted out. But it didn't work that way. So I was nudgingly at first, you know, like, hey, can you get a handle on this? Hey, I'd really like to be able to pay the bills at the computer table, but look at all the stuff that's there. So I was bringing it up in ways where I was just kind of reacting. It wasn't thoughtfully brought up at first. I was just reflecting um, my discomfort verbally and just voicing what I was experiencing. And then, um, you know, I, I kept pushing, please, will you get some help? We need some help in here. And I started developing more of a sense of urgency about it. It was building because I felt that things were looming everywhere I looked. I couldn't read a book in peace. And it's at that point when I realized how it was affecting me emotionally and internally and practically. Like I felt like Lee was able to live in that environment and function really well. Like he was a super productive person. It felt to me like he was able to accomplish all the things that he wanted to do. But I felt like my life was severely hindered and kind of strangulated by the stuff. And so when I saw that the, the questioning about what are we going to do wasn't getting anywhere, and uh, Lee was voicing that he wanted to do it himself. He was fiercely independent about conquering this challenge himself, but it wasn't really getting done. And then something exciting happened where we both worked for the same mental health agency in different divisions, and I never really read the company newsletter, except this one time that I did, and there was a little box in there, and it said, do you have too much stuff? We need people, participants for this study, on people who are accumulating possessions and holding on to them. Oh, wow. So it was incredible, because at that point, I realized, you know what? For the first time, I actually have something that I can offer Lee to start Mm. and get a a level in and make some change. And so he came home from work one day and I said, Hey, listen, look what I found. Here's a phone number. Will you consider being in this study? Because you definitely have a problem with this, which means we have a problem with this. And that was a pivotal moment. When you did that, Lee, did you find yourself feeling vulnerable to being exposed like you know up until that time it was almost like a private thing between you and Beck and you know maybe the people who'd come to your house but going into a study did that feel like you were almost exposing yourself it was kind of freeing actually what I was looking forward to was I was kind of curious what they were going to ask me um, because I I understood that the study was about understanding people's attachments to things and encouraging us to challenge that belief to see if we could actually let something special go and not have it be the end of the world. So I thought, you know, it was really specific. I've always felt like if I can do something to contribute to the greater good, it's worth it, even if it's uncomfortable. Uh, So I was okay with that. 
Um, and it wasn't the first thing that I had basically worked on for my own mental health recovery. Um, struggling with bipolar disorder and ADHD, I had plenty of experience acknowledging that um, I was struggling with something, even if I didn't have a problem with all the same parts of the behavior as other people, I recognized the bigger picture that even though I think I can do it all myself, maybe I could use some, some advice and support. So um, that, that I was open to it. And the reason I think I say it was a relief is because I knew I needed the help um, yeah. on a certain level. It was just like, there was a point where it was just a, it felt like a yes, no life changing moment. And I said, yes, and life did change. So I'm glad that you found that and had the courage to, to ask me such a difficult question. Yeah. I mean, it was probably harder for you than me in that moment. Another exciting feature of that was I had studied with Randy Frost at Smith College. And of course, his specialty is hoarding disorder. So I felt like all roads that we could take would lead back to him. And he was my favorite professor. So that was just another magical piece of the puzzle. Like I felt like we're going to be in good hands. I know the person who's at the helm of helping people here. And I know he's a good person. Have you got a photo of you standing next to Randy? Because I have met Randy and I have met you and he is so tall and you are so little and cute. And I can just imagine the distinction between the two of you. Yes, our, our, uh, our hugs are very cute, I'm sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so was this study with Randy Frost, the one that Lee took? It actually wasn't. It was with another author of Buried in Treasures, David mm-hmm. Tolan. Uh, okay. And and this is what started the process of you helping them do the workshop facilitator's guide and that sort of thing? There were several steps between the two. I had yeah. absolutely no idea that this would actually become more a part of my life than something I did for a few hours. You know, um, it was really, you know, I joined the local, uh, what was called the hoarding task force at the time as a mental health worker. Um, so I had not disclosed that I had a clutter challenge. That was, the study was in 2005. I joined the task force in 2007. In 2008, I self-disclosed the group that I had too much stuff. And a year later, Randy acquired, uh, funding from Smith college to see if a support group, a peer support group could be helpful. And it was going to be based on this book, Buried in Treasures. And I said, I'll run them all. And as I ran Week one, I wrote up the plan for week two. I did week two, wrote the plan for week three, and eventually that became the facilitator's guide. Wow, that's amazing. That sounds like me doing all of my high school assignments the, the night before. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but the interesting thing, I was running them in three towns. So I wow. would write it on for the first one. I would improve it for the second, and the third I would have the more refined. So – the folks in the third evening were lucky that yeah. they weren't in the first <laughs> night because I wasn't winging it anymore. I had a little practice, but I had to learn it all before I could share it. And this was all new to me. I went from not letting anything go to having to actually demonstrate and encourage and inspire people to believe that they could let things go. So mm. it was a steep learning curve for me. Yeah, what a challenge. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. It was pretty amazing and inspirational for me to be watching this process evolve Mm. and um, seeing that Lee was really diving into working on it and helping others. It was Mm. huge. It felt it, the whole thing has felt like there's a magical quality about it. 
how each brick in the path has laid. It's been amazing. That's really cool. I think it's probably yeah. time to take a little break and mm. I think it's time probably for a clutter confession. Okay, so this this is where we put you guys in the hot seat and we would like you to share with us your clutter confessions. Clutter confessions. <laughs> All right. You want to share yours? Julia? Okay, so I was actually trying to think, what do I have that is unconventionally mine? And... Uh, I think that's part of the problem is I think everything I have is normal, but I thought there's one thing I have that's really unusual and I haven't been able to let it go because I don't even know how. And I don't even remember everything I have. I can tell you everything about how and where I got stuff. These, I have no idea. This is building anticipation I know, for me. I'm like salivating. <laughs> okay. What? I have- Are they, oh, they rosaries. <laughs> Thousands and thousands and thousands of rosary beads. And not just rosaries, but the materials to make more of them. They're all the raw materials. So and and somebody went to the the, through the process of like individually (gasps) nodding every single one. They're really intricate. Wow. Tons of them. Are you even Catholic? No, and I think, and here's the thing, my mom went to see a musical called Nonsense, and and she answered some trivia question, she got a a set of glow-in-the-dark rosary beads, and they said, are you Catholic? And she said, tonight I am, so I thought, well, I'm not though, but what I saw was uh, art supplies, I, Mm. I saw... Oh, oh my what? goodness! He could dress oh, the, ca- the cast of that show. You could, right? And and so <laughs> I felt like, is that really messed up? Like, am I being sacrilegious? Am I being disrespectful if I use this for something it wasn't intended for? Because it's really special to people, and I respect that. But at the same time, I'm like art supplies, and so I've had that for about twenty years now. Um, and wow. I have not let it go because I was like, where? So, yeah. And it is actually, and it's in a milk crate from when I was a little kid. So, th- I mean, there's a story to every story, but yeah. that's, that's my clutter confession. Someday I figure we're going to make people really happy with that collection that we've held on to. We're going to find the right place. Yeah, I feel like I should give you a challenge since you're in lockdown and you can't go anywhere to maybe do some Googling and email some local Catholic churches and see if they'd like it and maybe just keep a couple. What do you reckon, Lee? (laughs) I don't need to keep any of them. If I can find the person that's really going to appreciate them, then they're all theirs. Um, I have, you know, there are some things that mean something to me and nothing to anybody else. I think there are some things that mean a lot to other people and very little to me. So mm. this would be a really good transaction I'd like to follow through with. So, Lee, um, you have such stays. a great perspective yeah. and such a great outlook. I, I just can tell you're someone who has embraced change and growth in your life. And that's just so cool. Mm. That's a really cool clutter confession. Thank you for sharing it. All right, you're Beck. Welcome. Your turn to go under the firing line. <laughs> okay. Mine is on a whole other side of the spectrum. Mine's a little bit ghoulish. Ooh, I like so that. My, a little bit. So my mom passed several years ago, and I was the person responsible for managing all of her belongings and deciding what went where and who to give things. Anyway, I took home her dentures. 
And okay. I brought them into our house. Her dentures, but they weren't even in like a nice little toothpaste. They were in some kind of icky Ziploc bag. <laughs> and so, so I kept them. I kept them for years. Her little teeth, my mom's little teeth, her fake little plastic teeth in the cupboard under the bathroom sink. And mm-hmm. I kept them in a little box with my makeup and you know, things, toiletries and things like that. And I kept them in there. And every so often I'd be grabbing a new paper towel roll out from under there and I'd bump into her teeth. And then one day I thought, what on earth am I saving these for? Let me think about this for a second. And I thought, well, they could be an art project because in our house, that's what things always default to. (laughs) Well, it could always go into an art project. And then I thought, is that really an art project I want to do though? (laughs) <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I want any part of an art project that's going to use my mom's dentures in it. So mm. at that moment when I realized that, um, and I, I felt like it was a little creepy and a little bit of a, a horror movie kind of context to it, I thought those things got to go. But, you know, in reflecting upon it, it's funny because I realized that my mom's dental problems became a huge issue for her. And it's almost like symbolic, like I was holding on to her hurt and Mm. it really changed her life when she had to get those dentures. She couldn't eat out in restaurants anymore. She was super embarrassed and her vanity was really challenged. And so there's a lot of power in that little set of dentures that I held on to. And it was very liberating to let it go. And Mm. I felt less creepy too. (laughs) that's amazing thank you so much for sharing those clutter confessions I love those those are brilliant I'm really thinking hard about that one too because I've worked for many years as a dental assistant Mm. and so like you know I'm thinking of the the true perspective of getting dentures is a huge change to someone I was actually thinking you were heading down the track of you've pocketed a few like, dishes or old teeth or something like that. Well, let me tell you my clutter yeah. confession. <laughs> you've got like one of these really creepy like cupboards with everybody's teeth and stuff. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> and on that note, I will say um, that if you've been thinking about sending in a clutter confession to anyone who's listening, please do. You just jump on over to our Facebook page and instead of setting it as a text, you just send the page a voice recording. And so you you can just say, keep it anonymous and you can tell us exactly what weird, wacky, or wonderful item you're holding on to. And we keep it anonymous and then we'll share it on the podcast. All right. So let's get back to our questions. Beck, this one's for you. We can't change others. We can only change how we respond to others. What strategies did you put in place to help you cope with Lee's collecting and his recovery? I think for quite a long time, I didn't have any strategies in place. And I was just living with the feeling of being buried under Lee's belongings. And I think I kind of stewed in that for much longer than I would advise people to do so. So I'm kind of a cautionary tale, I think, because I did suffer with it. And I didn't take care of myself in a way that I think people should. Um, But I highly encourage people, if they're in a similar situation, to um, not make themselves feel like they're the last place in all of this. To really hold on to yourself and um, do things out of the house that make you happy. Um, Get support. Tell someone. 
You know, we lived with it as a secret. Lee never asked me to keep it a secret, but I kept it a secret. And that was hurtful to my inner being, too. I think it's really important to do the things that make you, you. Like, if you read, but you feel like you can't really read in the environment you're living in, take that book and go outside or go to someone else's house or go to a coffee shop and still keep reading. Mm. Find someone that you can talk to who will uh, not stir the pot, but instead offer support to you or just listen without judging. Um, just really keep the activities up. Make space somehow to do the artwork that, that means something. Um, play, have fun, and talk to your partner. There's a lot that can go into that conversation, and it's really important, I think, to do it with compassion and not from a place of anger. But I could talk to you for hours on that subject <laughs> alone, I think. Oh, I can imagine. Like, And I can imagine it is hard to when you're living it and facing it every day especially in the early stages back when you were getting your head around all of it, it must have been really challenging to not come, as you say, from a place of reactivity because, like, it's your space, it's your home as well, and, like, you have an emotional investment in your home, but, of course, you have an emotional investment in Lee as well. It was super hard, and what I found myself doing was it was coming out in physical ways, like when I would get the vacuum cleaner out and I would kind of find myself, like, slamming it into things. <laughs> You know, I wasn't putting my anger out onto Lee, but I was subtly taking it out on the objects that were consuming the environment. Feeding that frustration. Yeah. Yeah, so, it was there and it couldn't be denied. Well, Lee, you've been collecting and acquiring for, you know, many years and then you've gone on this journey where you've started to challenge and change your behavior. What is it like for you now today? Well, it's been a really amazing period of time. I've gone through stages of, First, I reduced the acquiring, so it was sort of like I turned off the tap because mm. even if I was trying to let something go, I was often rewarding myself with something new. And so, you know, first it was about reducing what was coming in, then eventually letting things go. Over the course of several years now, um, I've got, I got it within the last few years to a point where I could sort of see the forest for the trees. I could actually see... I had thinned out things that were less meaningful to me and I started to see patterns emerge and categories that really related to difficult traumatic things in my life. Um, that what I had around me were the things that gave me comfort and all of those things were made, produced uh, before 1985. And uh, what it all went back to was the first time I witnessed something that totally shattered my my perception that you could trust that things would always go right. And that's when the space shuttle challenger exploded. We were all watching it live in school, 1986. Oh, wow. There was a local school teacher on the challenger and uh, it oh. blew up. And I wrote my first real poem the next day. And hmm. I, I recognized that things I was saving were related to things that were difficult. That was uh, the first big realization for me. There were lots of reasons for other things, but just in the last few months, um, once we went into lockdown, I started spending hours and hours and hours sorting my things um, and really being able to, to dive really deep and made this realization that the things I'm most connected to that I have the hardest time letting go of are the things that are related to difficult situations. 
that like trophies that I've won and things like that, I practically don't even care about them. Um, but things like a letter from a, a family member that passed or some, my high school bully, there was a full two page layout of him in the, the year I graduated high school. And I saved that page of the newspaper. Um, and it was almost like I realized like this was my way of containing it and owning it and controlling it and saying like, I have it. So it doesn't have me. And once I made that connection, I started to let things go. And now I'm actually recognizing an impulse to save things related to the COVID-19 pandemic. And I'm, right. I'm not saving them. So there's a lot of things like that, that because of this insight that I've gained, I'm not going to be repeating the cycle and asking myself 10 years from now why I have things I received in the mail or, or headlines and things like that. This is a, a really big breakthrough. And realizing that the degree of intensity and personal nature of the traumas is related to what I've kept and that there's, 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 there's so much there. It's really amazing. And it's just like a deep breath and, and letting things go and feeling better. So mm. a- Beck, I've got one last question for you. How would you suggest someone who is living with someone who is space invading um, how would you suggest they start a conversation with that loved one to bring up what's going on? I think it's really important to have an idea of what supports you can offer someone before you bring it up. Because otherwise, it's like racing to a red light. What are you going to do? What are you expecting mm-hmm. of the person? So I think it's really important to have things that the person can identify with or can be referred to Um that's really important rather than just lashing out without um, a positive end goal in sight. And I also think, you know, people would be best to use I statements like, I'm feeling a little overwhelmed by the stuff. How are you feeling? Are you happy? Are you able to do with the space what you want to do with it? Kind of encouraging in that direction, like, Speaking to the practical nature of what the space can be used for is really a good idea to bring it into real life terms rather than getting caught up in all the really complicated that um, the emotions that can come up. It's so important yeah. that we acknowledge our own feelings and don't put so much on other people because mm-hmm. when we, we really, it is important to use that I statement. Yes. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Well, on that note, so Lee if someone identifies, you know, a similar situation to what you're describing, what would you encourage that person to do or say, you know, if they're feeling ashamed about where they're at with their stuff? Well, I think that, you know, there, there's a couple of things and, and one of them is just, you know, there's a part of my story to relate to that I've never told before because I never heard it myself. And that was just the sort of the, the personal, um, the epiphanies that I've been having and going through things. And rather than thinking about everything, looking at one thing and looking at it and looking at it until I can connect it to something in my life, Um, because I'm realizing it's almost like if I had started here, I would have made a different kind of progress because I would have been looking at things as clues. And that once I unlocked what was underneath the surface, what's floating on the surface was just going to drift away. So I would say that there's a lot of discovery to be made in the things that we've saved. And 
tell the story of those things if it helps. I enjoy documenting things before I let them go. You don't have to admit that you have a problem before you start to get help and you don't know, you don't have to like know how to do it before you start working on it. Um, I, I think that any progress is good progress. Mm. Awesome. You know, yes. that, that sounds very much Let's like our say. tagline. Progress, <laughs> not, not perfection. perfection. <laughs> yes. We totally as identify. As we're, you know, moving forward. Totally. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's mm-hmm. right. Well, guys, it has been so fabulous talking with you today and we are just so thrilled for your um, story and thank you so much for the work that you do in sharing it. Thank Thanks you. so much. You too. We love what you're doing. Yeah. Your conversations inspire oh, thank us. You. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Now, this week's Tidy Task is like a choose your own adventure book. If you identified with Lee's story and you're accumulating and saving items, we'd like you to choose one person to share your story with, whether it's a friend, a family member or a professional. If you're bearing the burden alone, we encourage you to reach out. A burden shared is a burden halved. If, on the other hand, you have a loved one who is displaying hoarding behaviours, then your tidy task this week is to make a date to raise your concern with your loved one. Be non-judgmental, focus on the person, not the behaviour, and use the I statements that Beck is talking about. Now, if neither of the above apply to you, your tidy task this week is to share this episode on social media. With 3 to 5% of the population struggling with this secret disorder, there is bound to be someone in your networks who needs to hear Lee and Beck's story. If you are listening to us on Apple Podcasts and you haven't jumped on and written a rating and review yet, please, we'd love you to do that. It's one of the ways that we get the word out to more people. And thank you so much for choosing to listen to our show. And remember, progress, not perfection. See you later. Bye. Hey, we'd love to keep the conversation going. Head over to the Little Home Organised community group on Facebook, ask questions, find motivation and share your before and afters. And if you enjoyed the show, please help us keep it going by hitting subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you listen. It's free and ensures you do not miss an episode. But if you really want to share the love, leave us a rating and review. Trust me, it makes all the difference in the world.